0: Hi, welcome to this property life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach and mentor. Each week, my friends and I talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the world of property. This week is no different. I'm talking to Mark Hodgkiss. Mark is half of In Hot Property with his brother, Rob, and these guys have quietly been going about building a really impressive business in the world of serviced accommodation and hotels. Mark has been a great source of inspiration for myself in my own service accommodation journey, and I'm really excited to introduce him to you now. Let's hear from Mark (music) Hodgkin. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks very much, Mark. Uh,
0: Good to see you. It's been a while. Good to see you. How are you doing?
1: Uh, yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, we've just finished Q3 of 2021, so uh, the summer staycation boom has worked well for us um, after what's been quite a challenging 12-18 um, yeah. months for for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's looking up, and then we just need to tweak our sort of pricing and our strategy going into winter, and uh, making sure that yeah. um, we can still keep the keep the monies rolling in, really
0: fantastic well i make no apologies for having stalked you to come on this podcast for the last few months because uh, you continue to be an inspiration to lots of people in the world of service combination myself included so uh, i'm sure in the next half an hour or so um, all of our listeners are going to feel exactly the same way um, yes
1: it just can we yeah because i think you asked me to come on the podcast quite a few months ago i did yeah it was we were we just finished the belmont and i wasn't comfortable with sort of talking about it because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't working as i wanted it to work and so yeah. I'm a firm believer that rather than just trying to i don't know like cuff it really, oh, I sorry, really
0: yeah. To,
1: yeah so so now we've got q3 numbers um and i'm, I'm confident that it's a very good strategy Fantastic. um it's not as hands-free as i'd like it to be yet it's, um, it's definitely scalable.
0: Um, yeah, and it's got some good... Well, that's, um, that's the perfect teaser for uh, a little bit later on, and we'll find out all about the Belmont and, and, and look forward to hearing about that project. But maybe to get us started, you could uh, actually take us back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about when you started investing in property and why you started investing in property.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. So I was in the Air Force, uh, Tornado Navigator, absolutely loved it um and i i hope my my children end up doing something similar because the experiences and the the people that i've met and friends i've got have have just been phenomenal Um, but in january 2014 uh, my mum was diagnosed with cancer and then she died in september 2014. so um that was a big kind of life-changing event and she left behind some inheritance money not not a huge amount of inheritance money but enough for me to sort of go right what should i do with this Mm. and rather than just sort of paying off the mortgage or going on a buying an expensive car or going on like a round the world trip or something like that um i googled property investing um and then that's when my eyes sort of (laughs) lit up really um and i was hooked i started listening to um a, a podcast that's been going around for for quite a while um and then my commute uh, i was based at rf marin which is an hour and sort of 15 hour and a half away so i ended up just listening to all these podcasts um at the, at the time i think they only had sort of 30 episodes so i listened to all the back um back catalog if you like and then they at the time they were always referring to audio books so then i started listening to audiobooks and then um, got in touch with a previous colleague um, who I, I was on the same squadron with, a guy called Rob Stewart, um, and went along to one of his education um, sort of two-day two event. Um, it was all about property systems. And so my, my kind of plan was, um, so I was, how old was I, 34, 35 at the time, and my plan was to continue working in the Air Force for the next sort of four or five years build up a, a load of um, buy to lets and yeah. then doing buy, refurb, refinance. And then when I got to 40, I'd have uh, enough uh, of them behind me that I could leave the Air Force, still qualify for my pension. And um, and that would be that really. Yeah. Anyway, went and chatted to Rob Stewart. And that was, that was uh, I sort of briefed him on what my plans were. And he was like, well, why are you staying in for it? Like, why are you staying in? for your pension how much is your pension worth and i sort of said that yeah it's going to be worth this amount it's like mate you could get one decent hmo and that will qualify for that and i was like i heard about hmos and i thought they they sound like really difficult (laughs) then um and then sort of chatted to him more started learning more about property and then realized that there's people making significant returns in this world and and doing property full-time which um and the sort of life on their terms if you like now yeah. i love the air force and I, I wouldn't change anything um but the operational tempo at the time we were just um just finished in afghanistan but then and, and everyone was looking for a bit of a respite so they they downsized the number of squadrons but then um it all sort of started kicking off in iraq and syria so then the squadrons were still doing the same kind of operational output but with a couple of less squadrons, so the operational tempo was away for three months, back home for six, away for three months, back home for six, and and um, and then after that, then I I wasn't really as, as a tornado navigator. I joined the air force to fly, but the jet I was on um, was going out of service in two thousand and nineteen. So then I was thinking, well, actually, why why am I yeah. kind of staying in for this? And I'm a firm believer that if you're not happy, rather than like bitch and moan about it, do something about it. And so uh, that's when, yeah, looked at coming up with a strategy whereby I could go full-time in property in within sort of 18 months, really. Yeah. Um, and then that's when started learning more about the, not necessarily property investing, but more kind of active, Programs. Um, yeah. So I did some deal sourcing, uh, which I didn't really feel comfortable with. I didn't like the. It was quite. It felt a bit sharky. So I didn't didn't particularly like that. But I spent some money on training for it, um, yeah. and then uh, did looked at lots of lots of things really. And then that, at the same time, my brother was like, "What? What is it?" I, I pretty much explained what I was looking to do. And then Rob was like, "Well, I'm in the similar sort of boat. He's spending quite a lot of time away." And at the time, we we were both married and kids were kids were on the way. Uh, so Seb was born in 2000, January two thousand fifteen, and you don't you don't get that time back. So that's oh. when that really sort of accelerated it for me that I was going to make it make it um, work uh, for property and be kind of the plan was not to have this hour and a, hour and fifteen hour and a half commute work from home, which I do now, which is great. Um, and then, yeah, just have, have it more on your terms. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, So I was just, just before we jumped on, I was asking you about the fuel crisis, and I think you barely noticed it, have you? You've been uh, working from home, and so it sounds like you've achieved some of those goals uh, then in terms of yeah, lifestyle so, change. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, working from home, but also, um, well, Seb tested positive for PCR. Oh, okay. um, two weeks ago so we've not really been leaving the house anyway
0: yeah uh,
1: but uh i, I wouldn't we i'd rarely use the car midweek uh as it yeah. is
0: so so I, I i know you and we met each other through through service accommodation um and that world so did you did you end up going down the sort of buy to let into hmo route in the end if that was your initial thoughts or so, did you go straight into service accommodation then
1: so in the end rob and i clubbed together with our inheritance and yeah, yeah. rob had done some property training as well um, on commercial conversions okay so okay. we've both done some work on service accommodation rob had gone um uh, learned about commercial conversions and and he's a project manager so that really sort of floated his boat um and we ended up buying some offices and converting those into four apartments, okay. uh, which we, we then operated as service accommodation. Uh, so that was, that was that. And then it, it, going alongside that we really needed to drive the cash flow. So um, at the time there was uh RAF Marham, which was the home of the tornado
0: yeah.
1: was also going to become the new um, F-35 base. And with that, there was a huge amount of infrastructure um pro, like a huge infrastructure program so needed a new runway new ops building new sim building um lo- loads and loads of stuff and for this they needed quite a lot of um, specialist contractors and at the time a lot of my air force mates were like what is it you're doing mate What like because i'd handed in my notice and um uh they w- some of them were posted to either typhoon or back to valley to do training. Um, but they had houses in the vicinity of, of Marham. And I said, well, I, I'll, I'll give you guaranteed rent, take care of the property, keep it in show home condition. Um, it will be cleaned every week, uh, we'll take care of minor maintenance, you don't have to pay 10% to an agent, blah, 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 all the, all the perks for a for a, um, a landlord or kind of a, like an amateur landlord as well, who hadn't really an accidental landlord, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were like, great. All right. Where do I sign? Yeah. And, uh, and, and these were nice houses as well in a good area. So, um, yeah, so we went from there really. And then we sort of scaled that up. Uh, I think that got to about 11, um, 11 houses over there. Meanwhile, I'd, um, handed in my notice with the air force and I had 12 months. Uh, and then, Two weeks after I handed in my notice, Jen went for a scan and found out that she was pregnant with twins. So that was on the Friday. So I went. Uh, I went into work on the Monday and uh, and told my boss. I was like, "So, um, I've got some news for you." And He's like, "Oh, go on." So Jen's pregnant. He's like, "Oh, mate, congratulations!" congratulations. He's like, "With twins." He's like,
0: "Oh, yeah."
1: So, and He's like, you you'll be wanting your job back then." i said no absolutely not no i've just got to make it work so then this is when it really really want needed to ramp up and um we got a unit down a two bed two two bed two bathroom yeah unit down in london and um yeah that that was the start of the london kind of empire building we and, and we took that to eight eight apartments in london um and it was in vauxhall with uh, a, a mix of one two three and four bed apartments and the target demographic were overseas families coming okay. to um visit the the tourist attractions of of yeah. london and because it was south of the river it was so much cheaper than than it would be north of the river um yeah. for large for large family gatherings and those that worked really really well up until covid yeah. um, so so they were large apartments they were they were furnished to a decent standard but not 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 luxury Mm. Um uh, which meant that they could take quite a few knocks and stuff like mm. that. It was quite easy to just repair the wall like um to redecorate and, and bits mm. and bobs like that. Um yeah, and they so that that worked really, really well. Um and then um COVID hit COVID hit and we looked at the numbers on it and it just wasn't worth we just there was so much uncertainty. Yeah. And we'd we'd been pestering the um the developer. It was an old pub that had been converted into 10 apartments. And we'd been pestering them to to sign a commercial lease on it for sort of a five year, five year plan. Mm-hmm. And fortunately they didn't and we were out of kind of regular um yeah. out of contract. And so it defaulted to the monthly billing cycle. So we served notice on them um just because it wasn't it, it we it was just so much uncertainty. We knew that the summer twenty twenty was going to be a write off. Didn't know what the winter was going to look like. Didn't really know what summer twenty twenty one was going to look like. Yeah. Um, so I think we could have tweaked it and we could have got construction workers in there. But equally, because we were out of contract, we looked at it and just went, "Nah, actually, um, yeah. we can call it a day down there."
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, so. COVID aside, because we may well come back to that, but um, that, that's quite a specific target market that you had identified for for those apartments in London. Is that something that you would advise people? So people looking to get into service, because one of the things that appeals to me about service accommodation is how flexible it is. Um, you know, it's not necessarily just the kind of the penthouse apartment or luxury holiday cottage that people might have in their minds. There's, there's lots of different um you know target markets for service accommodation so was that something that you you deliberately sort of identified that that very specific niche and went after that one specifically
1: i think the best thing about service accommodation you're right is the flexibility um i i think it's important to know your market and then target that market through the various OTAs through the various photos through the various pricing strategies all yeah. of that which so a three a regular three bed house can work really really well as for leisure it can work really really well for corporate um, but you what you don't really want to do is I don't think is is mix the two so either go down the corporate route um, and and look at it from there or go down go down the leisure route now it it obviously depends on the property it depends on the area it, there's so many so many think variables um like you can get these i don't know three-bed terrace um it, that, that work really work really well for contractors yeah um, and so yeah that that's a, i think that's the key really is knowing knowing your market and then yeah. going going after that that market um because you've got so many different things you can you can tweak and change and yeah like i would i would largely associate airbnb more with leisure um and booking.com more more corporate but you can you can very much attract business um but people are still on airbnb looking for for business yeah. and for, um especially like contractors and stuff like that yeah. Um, and and knowing the trends as well so a lot of the time um contractors might just you might get a phone call friday afternoon i need to house eight lads next week and it's like whoa okay yeah. um and if you've not got the if you if you've not got the kind of stock then you, you would have to pass that on to somebody else or yeah. you if you've got enough then you can sort of move move things around or or what have you and and similarly doing your pricing so that you're not booking up uh, for a weekend in four months' time so yeah. that then you've got this problem when you do get, all oh, right, we've got these guys on project for the next four months, can you sort us out? Um, and either you would, like, I, personally, I would take that booking and yeah. I would find something else for the the, the weekend booking yeah. that you've got. But I did, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have that problem because you've yeah. sorted out your like your availability, your pricing and and all of those things. Yeah, uh, but it's it's. I think it is really challenging when you're first starting out to appreciate all of that. There's, so, mm. there's there's lots and lots going on, and only really once you've established yourself in a an area with a type of property um, after sort of twelve to eighteen months. Like for example, the booking behaviour for the four beds uh, down in Vauxhall was completely different to the one one beds and the two beds. Um, because the four beds typically would be two families, and the lead time for the bookings would be in excess of three months. So yeah. I needed to know that my pricing was kind of squared for three months plus, and um, that again, like the length of stay was all um, was was going to be decent. Um, yeah. And then for for ones and two beds, I, I didn't. I knew that I could take the the short notice bookings for those because there's not that there's far fewer moving parts like for two families to coordinate especially with kids mm. and schools and stuff like that it takes so much longer for like people are now booking their holidays for, for next summer yeah. um and we, i mean we don't have any large units anymore we've i mean yeah. we've got we've got the um we've got fountains guest house and we've got um, the belmont apart hotel for for i mean you can have large groups um for for those but those are typically um sort of 12 Twelve times, one and uh, two bedrooms.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we, we've we've teased people long enough now because I know a lot of people getting into service accommodation dream of potentially one day owning a hotel and and um, you know that being the sort of um, the logical way of scaling things in some ways. So the Belmont, you launched that in Harrogate uh, this year, wasn't it? Twenty one yeah. launched. Yeah. yeah so
1: uh, yeah, after the lockdowns, really um so we had a kind of a, a bit of a soft launch you know that period where you could have self-contained units yeah were able to open but you couldn't have any communal areas yeah and so yeah. the belmont had belmont's got three different entrances so yeah, we yeah. were able to have three um three of the rooms open for that that, that four week period and then we were able to which was brilliant to be honest yeah um yeah. i i <laughs> Uh, that, that is it was absolutely ideal because we couldn't do we couldn't do any more than that but it was enough for us to get all of our systems working um and it, like we we weren't fully we, we had <laughs> we had a house we <laughs> we had a staff meeting on the friday before we were due to open and our um our head housekeeper she's absolutely amazing uh she was wearing this like a baggy hoodie yeah. and uh <laughs> and so we started the meeting it's like e- everyone all right yeah yeah, yeah. anyone uh, got anything they want to say and um our like head housekeeper for for the Belmont um announced that she was pregnant <laughs> and that she needed to go on uh, maternity leave uh, in a couple of months and we we're like oh great. Okay, so we just done the most stressful refurb during the like work, like stressful time, and we're really looking forward to uh, just opening. And then we're like, oh my life, we've got to get
0: another. Uh, one I, thing after I, another. Well, yeah. I, I've I've stayed there. It's um it's fabulous. Absolutely loved it. It's uh you've done a phenomenal job. So tell us a bit about the um apart hotel concept and. Why, how that works, and why that makes a lot of sense to you?
1: Uh, right. So I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer of this uh, strategy, um, but it is not passive unless you outsource it completely to a managing agent. Um, but you, there's a cost to doing that, which is with the numbers that we're looking at, it would be quite significant. I mean, you, you pay somebody a good annual salary to, to do, to do that. So. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not, and I don't believe that a managing agent would optimize it as much as, as we have been able to do over yeah. the past sort of three months. But if that's, if you've got another source of income from somewhere else, then, then that's totally valid. But yeah. for at, at the moment, R- Rob and I are both full-time, so we, we need to make it right. And it needs to support uh, both of us and, and yeah. all of that, but, um, it, ultimately the price per square foot for tired bed and breakfasts is is a lot lower than um, residential. And they're usually in pretty decent areas. So they are town centre locations, Uh, the ones we the ones we go after have got parking. Um, And um, what we look to do is increase the number of rooms by at least 50%. Okay. Uh, and then also increase the nightly room rate by 20% and increase the occupancy by sort of 10 to 20%. Now, if you just those three factors alone, you'll double the the revenue. Um, and it also means that it's, it's scalable in terms of, you're going to go, you're going to go very quickly through the VAT threshold. And a lot of these previous BNB owners, they, it's their home, and they don't they don't work it as hard as they could do because it's more of a in inverted commas lifestyle business. Um, but w- w- with that, because they've got this threshold of eighty five thousand pounds or, or whatever the VAT threshold is, they don't want to go above that. So yeah. that means they and and they obviously want to be able to take home um a, a certain amount each year so then that means that they've got to keep their costs low which means that they are cooking the breakfast every morning they're doing the cleaning they're not you i mean they're usually kind of baby boomer generation and haven't really embraced technology to be able to do stuff like some of them still operating with a paper diary yeah. and and it's like guys the, the guy the previous owner for the belmont um during i mean we had several meetings with them and quite a few times that his phone would ring and it'd be booking.com is oh, oh bloody hell put put that down and it <laughs> and really had this aggression towards booking.com whereas yeah you, booking.com was a f- phenomenal tool and mm-hmm. if you really embrace it so after this call i've got a um, monthly call with my account manager and i don't pay anything for this account manager but they obviously mm-hmm. want us to do as well as we can and um because they make more money, so yeah. for us to to have that um, tap, on tap, and they'll go through all what, what's happening with the um, in the market, what the demographic is, what the average booking window is, all of that stuff. Really, really useful tools. So then I can go away and I can tweak uh, my promotions and offers and um, go into the revenue management software and and make those adjustments. Um, so that's that's um, amazing. And the other thing is the um, having a having a channel manager, which these guys with a paper diary. So he was talking to t- he's telling us about how he was on holiday, and so they had to, so not only when they go on holiday they have to close up, so that's that's like two weeks of n- receiving no income. Yeah. Um, so not only are they paying for a holiday, they've also stopped holiday. their. Income. Then so he was he was saying he was down by the pool and um, uh, this phone rang or he got a he got a text from booking.com to say he'd got received a booking he's like oh so i had to go back to the hotel room had to open up my my laptop had to go on the website had to adjust the adjust like block those dates so that no one else could book on the website it's like seriously like just integrating the calendars would have saved all of that and then yeah and you just know that he's copying and pasting emails um to to guests and all of that stuff so using using technology not only frees you up but also gives the guests much better experience yeah um so so, so they make a booking and then instantly they get all the information they need to then be able to write okay so what's the what's what's the score with parking like where is the actual address um what time, what time can I check in? All of these things so that then they can book trains or yeah. arrange w- with other people or what have you. Um, yeah, so mm. yeah, we're very much f- keen on using the technology, um, buying the right property that has the scope for, for um, f- development effectively. Yeah. But, but the good thing is as well, it's already C1 use class. Yeah. And so it's not the, you don't have the planning risk. Um, yeah. And yes, yeah, there's, there's loads of um, advantages to it, really. It's, um, but we're kind of at, this, at the stage now where it, we've got it pretty fine tuned. Um, and it's just a case of really getting the, the last bit uh, outsourced.
0: And how was, the, how was the summer? You mentioned the staycation boom earlier on. How was the summer for you guys?
1: well so we i mean we are it was a standing start really for for the belmont so no reviews um and we didn't want to we didn't want to give it away um in in terms of pricing so we stuck to our guns with the with the pricing and um a lot of the regular bnbs who haven't changed haven't, haven't changed the pricing um like selling one night stay one night saturday nights for 79 pounds for a double room and, and and stuff like that including breakfast you like, how how are you even how are you even making any money so um yeah so we stuck to our pricing and because a lot of those places had, had filled up um we we were able to hold a decent price despite not yeah. having the reviews and then people people um uh yeah the bookings i mean the bookings came in yeah july july was out of the three july august september july was the um quietest month but i think that's partly because of the standing start and people were still not quite sure about traveling but i think when it got to august everyone was just desperate to to get away and because we you you, well the because of the international travel restrictions we had that we had a lot of people um booking, like going up to Scotland and then, and then staying for a couple of nights on the way up or on the way down. Um, so, so that worked well for Harrogate. Um, and then now the conference center started, um, doing exhibitions and things like that again. So we get a lot of trade from the conference center in Harrogate. Um, so the, the, the great thing about that market is, it is quite kind of year round there's probably January, February time quite quiet but if, if yeah. it was kind of on the south coast very much kind of really 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 busy from kind of April through to yeah. November but then yeah. you don't get anything
0: for
1: so yeah what was
0: it um, what was it that attracted you to Harrogate then and how would you go about assessing an area for for demand in in serviced accommodation
1: uh, so we looked at three areas Uh, so the idea for the apart hotel to to make it ultimately you you add the extra rooms but where you can put in kitchenettes in the rooms so all our rooms are en suite and then they've got kitchenettes so you you can do away with the breakfast service and uh you can still command the the sort of regular rates that people would pay for a um uh to to have breakfast included um and we were kind of uh, harrogate is a really buoyant market. Um, Rob lives up there as well. So I think much as much as I would love to say, you don't need to be uh, close yeah. by. I think, I think it does make it a bit easier. Yeah. Um, cool. So we looked at three areas. I'm based in Stanford. So we looked at Harrogate, Stanford and Cambridge, and we did a letter campaign to, or uh, to those three areas. And By far and away, the biggest uptake was in Harrogate. And um to the extent where I mean we got a 26% um response rate from the letters, our letter campaign.
0: So this was extent, letters trying to source um guest houses and yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. that's um, a really that's a really high uptake, isn't it? Yeah, for, for <laughs> to the extent where we were like, hold on a second. Yeah. Why is, why,
1: <laughs> why is everyone
0: trying to get out of this? Why is everyone getting out of this? Yeah.
1: Um and we had a call with our booking.com account manager and just said look look, what is the trend in harrogate what's what's going on and they were like yeah we're, like it's great <laughs> there's like, some like big hotels they're doing really well there and um yeah so we're like okay so we looked at it in, in, in more detail and yeah it, it seemed like a really good market so that gave us confidence and the fact that it wasn't um it, it was kind of year-round yeah. trade, really. Yeah. Uh, so I think looking at an area where you don't want it too big, and mm. I, so I think it, the the good thing about Harrogate is regularly there is um, that all the rooms sell out on a weekend, and. A lot of the hotels end up when there's a big conference. The hotels will just hike their prices up. Yeah. Like embarrassingly, um, yeah. Back, like last Saturday. No, no, it was. I think it was it was a Saturday early on in September, and someone phoned up to say, "Look, have you got any cancel? Like, have you got any rooms?" I was like, "No, I'm sorry," but um, I, I I hate to say it, but have you tried Crown Plaza because they I know they have in excess of 200 rooms. So yeah. And she was like, "Yeah, but I can't afford that." And I was like, well, "What? What are they charging?" And she's like, "The four hundred pounds for a double for a double room on a Saturday night." they are like, "How? How can? I don't know. How? How? Obviously, it's like a faceless business, isn't it? So you don't have to look anyone in the eye to say, 'Yeah, yeah, yeah four hundred pounds.' So yeah. and I don't know how many rooms they sold at four hundred pounds, but um, we use revenue management, and it will. I mean, we don't go anywhere near that extreme, but we've sold we've sold like a double studio for more than more than I feel comfortable with. And um, as a result of us being having this dynamic pricing, which is like a bit of a dampener on hotel prices. So we don't go anywhere near as low as the hotel prices like they'll they'll sell for 40, 45 quid uh, a night um but equally we don't go up to 400 pound a night so yeah um and there have been a couple of times where i i sort of I, I don't look at every price that comes in and when they've left a the review it's like a five for value for money i'm like oh hold on a second and then i look at the price i'm like yeah okay that's
0: pretty yeah, cool. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm sort of like phoned them and explained and i just say look Look, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that you you paid that amount um, for that weekend. Explained about the revenue management software. Explained that we're in a staycation boom. Blah blah blah. And uh, I just said, look, it, it, like, hopefully you you'll come back again and get in touch because we'll give you like a discount. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there's it, it, it's just been a bit yeah. nuts, really.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a really interesting take on it because obviously you'd expect. You know, operators within an industry like service accommodation, like hotels, to you know be pushing to optimize as much profit as they possibly can. But 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 actually, it's all about value, isn't it? At the end of the day, and feel comfortable with that exchange of value.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, well, you've got two you've got two sides in Harrogate, and you've got the B and B owners who don't don't want to keep the, the um, don't want to go above the VAT threshold. Yeah. They'll charge yeah. seventy five pound a night. Um, if it's a monday if it's a saturday they'll do one night stays throughout the whole year and they just they they're leaving so much on the table yeah um but fair, i mean fair play to them like it it's it's, complete, it's their business it's how, how they want to run run stuff i've kind of urged them um where i can to say look guys you you, you do realize like you could you could sell that room for 125 pounds for that saturday yeah. night quite yeah. easily yeah. um and then, oh, yeah. And then you could take maybe two months off.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, whereas the, the, instead, keep working around the clock for 12 months of the year. So was, um, it, a big,
0: was it a big conversion project? Did you do you have to do? give us a, an, an idea of the work that you had to do to the property?
1: So it was eight bedrooms. And we converted it to 12, uh, 12 rooms, so three singles. So we didn't do very much in, in terms of the single... Uh, yeah. There's a bit of reconfiguration with the layouts and stuff, um, but yeah, I mean, the the whole refurb went back to brick. Yeah. We put it, upgraded everything. Um, the only the only thing really still the same in the property is uh, the walls and the stairs. Um, but yeah, it's it pretty much just so the, the
0: skeleton is there. But other than that, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it took. We started it February, 2020, and it was supposed to take eight months and ended up taking 14 months, um, yeah. like pandemic patients, um, yeah. uh, supply issues and various bits and bobs like that. So, um, but it kept us busy. Uh, there was some really sort of dark times <laughs> towards mm. the end of the project. So, uh, like Rob and I had a bit of a, not, not necessarily a breakdown, but like it was like, like I was painting the outside wall um with uh masonry paint rob was painting the um uh, the fire escape with the like zinc oxide this is zinc oxide um paint and then the yeah. and then black metallic paint over the top uh we um we delayed a, a decision so in front of the kitchenettes like i don't know if you can remember but in yeah. front of the kitchenettes we weren't sure whether or not we didn't want to have carpet we didn't yeah, want to.
0: You've got those Victorian style tiles, yeah. You? So
1: yeah, so we delayed the delayed the decision about what to what floor covering to have in front of the kitchenettes, um, and in the end, we were like, let's just use the same tiles that we've got in the bathroom. So we did, but the tiler was on another project by this stage, so it meant that like Rob and I did all the those um, the tiling in front of the kitchenettes. So we just got stuck in. We did that in a week um, for nine nine little um, kitchenettes, yeah. uh, and there's yeah quite a few times where we just had to dig deep. And I think that was partly because we, like we couldn't do anything else. It was just we just had to had to go for it really. Yeah. And so I, I think that sort of boils down to the, the type of people we are, and yeah. it is that sort of can do can do attitude. Yeah. Just get stuck in make it work um yeah
0: yeah well you did uh you did a great job with the tiling because that was one of the one of the standout things that I remember I from, from our stay, and I remember thinking I really love that and we're taking forward that idea to our own uh, apart hotel conversion so um so yeah I think that was uh that was a standout thing for me but like you say sometimes you know you get into these projects you get a certain distance you know into it and you're all in to a certain extent, aren't you? And so sometimes yeah. you've just got to get you've got to get your hands dirty and do what you need to do to get it across the line.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's, it's been a been a challenge, but um, looking back, like it, it's been um, it's been phenomenal since. And then now, like we own that asset, it's yeah. a decent cash flowing asset. It's in a really good area. It's HG one, so yeah. prices are, are going to go up. Ne- not yeah. necessarily. I don't know how well commercial um, valuations map. Residential, but I mean, the exit it could always be to sell it and convert into flats or, yeah. or what have you. So, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And yeah. The, the, the other, I mean, the other aspect is we could just do it as um, rent by the room uh, on a like AST type. Yeah. I mean, they are self sufficient. Yeah. Um, you could, I mean, you could live in one per one or two yeah. people could live in there quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah
0: also. you've got that exit exit covered as well. So um what's next for you guys then what's uh, or are you taking a breather just let this one run out for a while before you move on to
1: the next? pretty much so the Belmont's almost finished in terms of the last thing we've got to do is just knock down the garage but it's a conservation area so we're waiting for we've got to get full planning permission which we right. should get at the end of this month. We'll knock that down that'll free up three parking spaces and then we can finish finish the Belmont project. Yeah. Um, and then we've got fountains across the road where we want to put, but we're not taking that back to brick. That's, that's still, that's a really good, um, really good condition. Uh, but we want to extend out the back, extend the dining room. That is a traditional B&B. Yeah. Um, and the reviews absolutely rave about the breakfast. Um, so we're keeping that, which yeah. is good because then we appeal to people who do want that more traditional B&B. And similarly, we can offer it to guests staying at the Belmont yeah. um as like an optional extra so we're going to have um yeah a bigger uh, breakfast room we've got two rooms to convert into more of a sort of studio rooms with the with the kitchenette offering and then knock through to the garage in the basement apartment make that a two bed two bathroom we've also got another project with uh, over at bank chambers where we bought some uh, the first floor which is offices convert that into two apartments. Um, but we've not started that project yet. I, just a bit reluctant with all the uncertainty okay. going on at the moment. And um, yeah, I just want to know that once we start it, we can just crack on and, and get through yeah. it.
0: Um, lock, in, so, lock in some material prices at the moment. Yeah,
1: and I think probably do that sort of January, February time. Um, yeah. But what I, don't, I just don't know what this winter's got in store. Uh, yeah. We're going to have, and more further lockdowns and stuff like that. It was quite uncomfortable when we were shelling out all the all the refurb for the Belmont with very little income. Yeah. Um. So that I uh, don't really want to put ourselves in that position again. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's that. And then, um, I I'd like to look at another um another B uh, okay. and Yeah. And uh, uh, looking st- staying, I, th- I think staying within Harrogate um, for the time being, but ultimately them sort of looking a little bit further afield. Yeah. But the idea being, if we can get to three, maybe even four, then having, um, that'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be able to then have an area manager who's invested into the business as opposed to an external letting agent, um, and, and then give them, uh, like some sort of—I don't know whether or not it would be equity or, or what have you—but something, something, so they're invested in it, yeah, um, and yeah, and and they they can be there for the day-to-day stuff yeah. that inevitably sort of crops up. Um, so that's the plan over there, and then working more on the corporate SA, uh, like the, the pop-up SA, really, yeah, um, for for targeting at specific clients um and working with them
0: yeah various projects brilliant well it's been absolutely fabulous talking to you as i said i've had you on my hit list for a long time so uh um, didn't disappoint it's been great to to learn more about how you got into into all of this and um some of the background behind the projects and i know uh, i know all of our listeners will have been inspired by that so thank you so much for your time mark no
1: worries thank you if um
0: if people do want to sort of keep in touch with what you're up to and that what's the best place to uh, sort of keep track with you and rob and and what you're so, up to
1: well so if people want to come and stay at the belmont and see what it's what it's like um then visit harrogatestays.co.uk Right. um so that's our that's our guest facing uh, book site and uh, the instagram account is really good for that my wife does uh, my wife does that so um follow follow insta um follow harrogate stays at harrogate stays on instagram and then um for our property endeavors um in hot property is that i've just changed the website because we're going to really focus going into winter really focus on corporate sa but yeah. I think on like one of the pages it, there's an about us, and if you want to get in touch, uh, learn more about that, um, the Instagram account for that is at InHotProperty. Um, yeah. but I'm not as active with that. Um, but yeah, uh, or, or on uh, Facebook, Mark Hodgkiss.
0: Brilliant. Well, I'll that. stick all that in the show notes as well, so everyone's got that to hand. So thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Thanks thank Mark. you so much for your time. All the best of
1: it. All right. Take, take care. You cheers. Out. Bye. See you now.
0: What I love about Mark, as with so many of the guests on this podcast, is their willingness to share, and not just the highs and the success stories, but also the challenges and the honest reality of what it takes to make a success of investing in property. If you're anything like me, then you'll take just as much from hearing about the potential pitfalls and the hurdles you're likely to face along the way, as you do take inspiration from the life-changing results that people like Mark and Rob are achieving, even through the darkest times of the global pandemic. Make sure you check out Harrogate stays online and get yourselves booked into one of their amazing properties. Harrogate is a beautiful part of the world. As I said, I've stayed at the Belmont myself, and I can assure you it will not disappoint. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not come and join us over at the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. We're a down-to-earth bunch talking all things property and property investment, and we'd love to see you over there. Last but not least, please like and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode.